growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. All right. And we're live again with another episode of the How We Solve show. Excited to have you at How We Solve. We always talk to industry experts and smart individuals who have solved hard business problems. These people already went through all the pitfalls and did all the learning so we can learn from them so we don't have to make the same mistakes that they have done. So rock and roll. Yours is the managing director of H2BC, a business consulting firm that focuses on connecting the dots in your organization. He is an innovative and creative thinker whose areas of expertise include business model challenges, efficiency, effectiveness, objectives, and key results, OKRs, which we'll talk about today, and business analysis. When he's not teeing up at the golf course, he spends his time mentoring startups and individuals who want to be more effective in their work. He brings a wealth of knowledge and experience in OKRs, and I'm really excited to nerd out with him on OKRs today. Thank you very much for being on the show, yours. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. If you want to fill in the dots on things that I have mentioned in the intro, what do you do on a daily basis before we solve the OKR problem? I started my career as a coach and coaching individuals in being efficient and effective at the same time. That's how I got into OKRs as well, because what they do is connect the objectives, the goals with your daily activities. Whereas, for instance, KPIs are less connecting the goals, so putting goals and objectives forward, but they're not connecting the bigger goal. And the second thing that attracted me in OPRs actually is that while you can sketch a horizon for yourself for, say, 10 years, 5 years, but also for a quarter or a week or a month, and it's all depending on what is needed and it adds to the communication, to the free speech and all that sort of things. I'm actually really excited about chatting with you about this because I read a book on OKRs. I have a lot of friends who are using OKRs in their business. And actually in one of my businesses, the team also uses OKRs. I've traditionally always just used a nine-day plan with a goal that we have and kind of like having one metric that we want to move. And then we have basically different ways on how we can move this metric and then kind of like sub-tasks that kind of all leading up to this. But yeah, I'm excited to get a refresh on OKRs and how it can be used best. And could you define... OKRs, that stands for Objective and Key Results. And if you can give people who are new to this a quick overview on the OKR game. Well, the objectives. You've got the objectives, which are smart goals, specific and measurable, and all that sort of things. Objectives are more like moonshot goals. B-hacks, big, hairy, audacious goals. Yes, correct. That could be one, but you also can put in objectives that are really measurable and that are realistic. But the main objective of OKRs and introducing it into a team or a corporation or even for an individual is actually dream and try to realize your dream. I am convinced that if you start dreaming and you have a dream well-defined, that's where I want to go. If you start then backward planning, then eventually you're going to reach the goal. It's like in the 80s already somebody said there's an elephant at the horizon and you have to eat them. And if you postpone it and start procrastinating and all that sort of things, then probably all of a sudden the elephant is going to be in front of you. It's going to be a huge, big animal. Somebody said, and that really stuck with me, procrastinating is being an asshole to your future self. Yeah, more or less, yes. (laughs) (laughs) If you cut the elephant in small pieces and little steaks, 
and you eat one every day, then by the end of the year, you've eaten the elephant. Since I'm vegan, I prefer the idea of a trip of a, a thousand miles starts with the first step, kind of step by step, not getting into eating elephants piece, but I totally get the analogy and, and, and it makes absolute sense. That's the 80s that was uh, still in there. They were allowed to do that. So you take a big journey, one step at a time. That's the first thing. That's the dreaming aspect. The second thing is that if you give this to a team, to a company, then all the stakeholders will have their say in it what they can do, how they can do it, etc. And you get communication, you get collaboration. It's an oil machine that is starting to run also because your key results will be connected to your objective. And that's where you very specifically will measure what you will be doing or what you have done. And once the OKRs are defined, then you can start reviewing them say, every week in a short meeting, saying, okay, what have we done this week? What are we going to do next week? And what didn't we do? Because where did we get into some difficulties? And most of the time, another team member will say, I can help you with that. So that's adding to the collaboration also. And then everybody goes this way and starts doing his job. And then most of the time, there's one manager or another who throws something into your basket and says, I want you to do this or that or that. But it's not within the OKRs. The OKRs, they give you the opportunity to tell him, I'm sorry, I can't do that because I don't have the time for that. It's similar to having strong core values in an organization. Like when you do your best to really live up to these core values, then also your team can criticize you if you're not living up as the founder of the business. Yeah, you get a 360 view. Which is a really healthy thing, actually, you know, to have like this accountability goes a long way. And also the clarity by talking about these OKRs, you really get on the same page. And it's not like the leader of the organization says like, hey, we're going to reach this. And the person who has to actually achieve this things like, hey, this is like absolutely unrealistic. So you have this healthy discussion about what works and what doesn't work. And it's not a top-down approach. If you're in for a top-down approach, fine by me. But be aware that if you do so, then probably you're going to miss the commitment and the accountability, the ownership. And that's exactly where OKRs are helping. You see that people pick up their duties way easier and with more enthusiasm if they stand behind them, if they know why they do it. Simon Sinek, start with why. Well, it all comes down to the same thing. It's all being committed and being able to do the things you like and things you know that are going to help the company move forward. So with OKRs and mission, vision, values, do you need your, your vision and mission defined before you start doing the OKRs? Because I guess it's having the why. It is the most wise thing to do, yes. But then again, a lot of entrepreneurs I've been talking to, they have a vision and they have a mission, but to put them into words is something else. And communicating them to somebody else and OKRs help to talk about and get them aligned also. I have a fun story with, with mission and vision. I always thought that having mission, vision and values and all the stuff is like something you put into a presentation when you want to raise money and then you can never look at it again, maybe bury it on the website somewhere. But with my last business, we grew really fast. And initially we had like a clear mission and vision. It was kind of clear among the, the founding teams and the first few employees, but then we, we grew really fast and we messed up by not communicating this to everybody who joined the team. 
our focus was going after mid-sized businesses and the new head of sales was running after enterprise, which was not really our thing. The new head of engineering came from a big data company before, and then he implemented this big data thing into our system, which was cool, but only for 5% of our customers, you know? So we ended up running into 10 different directions and nothing was working anymore until we realized this happened because we never clarified the mission, vision, values of our organization. And once we had this down, things were moving again. Yeah. And that's where OKRs actually help to keep everybody focused, keep everybody on the same page. You mentioned before, like there's five things that OKRs help with, right? If you could run through them real quick. Well, actually, you can put them together into one word, and that's facts. And that's why I created the facts sheet to give people a hook to remember what it stands for. The F is for focus. And I already mentioned, well, you said it yourself. Somebody starts running in that direction, the other in the other. And so if you keep the focus on the same objective and the same key results, then you've already reached a lot of things. And then the A is for alignment. It comes close to focus, but for focus, it's more like, for instance, a startup, they have this quote that should be followed up, this customer who has a problem, and then there's an invoice that hasn't been paid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So keeping the focus on the things that they should focus on for a startup, for an entrepreneur, for a founder, it's always pretty difficult. The alignment is more into teams. When people get into teams, that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is alignment of your daily activities with your objectives, with your goals, with your vision, your mission. Think of the 7S framework of McKinsey, for instance, where the shared values are also one of the S's. And people trying to put things together into one company, well, align them first. And that's the second benefit of OKRs. And then the C is for commitment. And you see that people who, well, Teams that use the OKRs, they tend to have, well, team members tend to be more committed to doing what they have been asked to do or what they agreed upon to do. Also, because there's a peer-to-peer accountability, positive peer pressure. Yes, there is some social pressure, some social control. So if you every week have to say, I haven't done that because, well, one day it stops. You stop saying it, you stop looking for excuses and you just do the job. And then the, uh, the S is for stretching and the T is for... Tracking. Tracking, correct. It's like, where are we going? And not only where are we going, but also the sense of being successful. It acts like a, some sort of scoreboard. Business 101, what you measure will improve. If you step on the scale every morning, you're more likely to lose weight or get into the direction that you want to get into. It. Correct. If you see people playing basketball or football or whatever, and they don't keep the score. They play in a completely different way than when they start keeping the score. And so the tracking is pretty important because you have a visual for everybody to track progress, see where they can improve, where they are doing good. And then stretching, again, as already mentioned, the moonshot goals, the big, hairy, audacious goals. There's a video on YouTube about smart goals. And he said that smart goals are limiting us to that what is measurable, what is realistic, and that what we think can be realized now. So you stop dreaming, you stop going for the moon, for instance. Shoot for the stars, worst case, you hit the moon, right? Yes, correct. And especially, I think, in a startup, it's pretty important also to have a sort of long-term, I wouldn't call it a vision, it's more like a, for me, it can even be a Fata Morgana. <laughs> Actually, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Go big or go home. Yeah, 
And think big, start small, but do it. Just think big and say, okay, what can we do? What is our purpose with the company? What is the purpose with the product we have for the service? And if you then see that, as you mentioned before, there's people coming in and they aren't really informed about the vision or mission and they start going all directions. There's a second aspect. And the second aspect is that, for instance, COVID is something nobody could foresee. Nobody could predict what's going to happen. And then you have to really quickly adapt and change your objectives, change your key results. And that's where this weekly review comes in. Because, for instance, well, normally in a corporation, in a large team, when it's a mature team, you're going to go for a three-month horizon per quarter. You're going to be defining your OKRs. In a startup, I would advise to do that every six to eight weeks because they change so quickly. Yes. When you start up, you're more like a speedboat. And then the bigger you get at some point, you're like a tanker. We're like, okay, we're going to move the steering wheel, the rudder, I guess. And, you know, nothing happens for like an hour before you move. But yeah, in startups, it's speedboat. Yeah. Agile and fast. But then again, both vessels confronted with the same sea. And the sea can change very rapidly. So you have to predict. You have to be able to predict or react very quickly to changing circumstances. And especially in a startup, Side note, topic, but still fitting. I think there's also three types of people that you can hire. You know, one are like guerrilla fighters for the early startup days. And then and you have like military where it's still a war situation. But if you shoot somebody, you have to kind of report to the person above you. And then the last one is like police. So it's police state where you can't think outside of the box. You kind of just like follow the rules and be mindful like which stage are you in with your startup. If you hire somebody, you're in the early stages and you hire somebody from the police world, they will not be able to function or have fun in the start at the end. Yeah, there's, there's these different types of managers also. People that are going to manage a startup or startup, people that are within a mature company that goes well. Very different ballgame, yeah. They have the, the crisis manager, completely different types of, of people. And an entrepreneur or founder of a startup will need to do all of them. Yes. Many different hats in the early days, yeah. And even on the same day. Which brings me to a how-to question. Like as a founder, you have to wear many different hats. How can you focus on the right things? So as a CEO of a startup, how can you focus only on one thing and on the right thing? How do you figure this out for yourself? Kind of has to be inside you, you know, and figure it out. And then so you can actually stick to the fact, F, first word, focus. Well, actually, normally in a team, you would define three objectives and each of them would have three to five key results. In startup, you would most likely go for one objective and one to three key results. So if you narrow it down to that one thing that should be done, already you have more chances to achieve it because you're going to focus and you're going to bring together all the energy into that one thing that's to start with. And then the second thing is that Every week, there's a review and every week there's a confrontation with what did we achieve, what did we not achieve. And every day, looking at your scoreboard, you see that you should do that and that. Let's do a practical exercise. So one of our businesses is UpCoach, and it's a platform that helps coaches to run their coaching business better. You know, it's like a, let's say, Salesforce for coaches, where you have like your CRM in there, you have your course delivery, you have your one-on-one, your group coaching, your court code, and you have like smart documents, which is like worksheets. So basically everything you do for the coaching delivery of your business, this is in this platform. Mm -hmm. And we have like 200 
organizations on the platform and we're working on a bunch of different things. And I think to give you in terms of the vision or what we want to do is we want to help coaches to increase their customer lifetime value by just providing a better experience all in one platform where people log in, we hold them accountable and all the tools they need to deliver a great coaching experience and actually help their customers to achieve their desired outcome. Mm -hmm. So this is what we have, right? And then we're in the process of raising money and we're in the process of building a bunch of stuff out. But what is the right thing? Do I just single-minded focus on the money-raising part? Do I single-mindedly focus on getting more customers in the door? Like, do I just focus on building out more features? And once we kind of pick this thing, I'd like to go through the exercise to figure out the OKR for this single focus thing. Mm -hmm. I would actually go for a two-track approach. Indeed, you will need the money. Mm -hmm. You will need to get the financing in. And the other part is that while well, you, you will need to develop your product further, correct? Yes, we could also bootstrap. I've never raised money before and I've been doing this for over 20 years and I had a bunch of successful businesses. But in this one, I think it makes sense to just give it more of a boost. Mm -hmm. So fundraising, I guess the objective is to raise between one and three million dollars from like a seed round to be somewhat specific. So that's the objective, I guess, right? The objective would be to be actually self-sufficient in terms of finance because an objective will never be measurable. Okay. Objective will be more at the horizon, the key result would be, for instance, to raise, say, $2 million. Okay. So basically, the objective is to have enough money to build whatever we want to build, basically, right? Correct. And then key result is? Depending on the time frame you're looking at. If you look at the time frame of a year or three years. Classic 18-month run rate for, for start to raise money. Then you could say that well, you, you need to raise the money to be able to build the product. And then say that you are going to talk to ex-funders or uh, VCs. Okay, so specific, the, the key results raise, let's say, $3 million, talk to 15 angels. That's probably already a key result that comes under your first key result. Okay. Because your first key result will be on your 18 months horizon. Mm -hmm. And in GTM Hub, they would call it a session. Session would be time frame you're looking at. And if you look at a time frame of 18 months, you would say raise $2 million. For that, within the first quarter, you should talk to ex business angels or VCs. Oh, so to be specific, the money should last for 18 months, but the raising piece should, should I don't know, like I don't want to spend more than one or two months with it. Otherwise, I'll just self fund because it's going to get be too much headache. That's indeed where you should do the maths and see, okay, how are we going to raise enough money to build the product? So if you want to raise enough money to be able to live and develop during 18 months, then you probably know what you would need. Mm -hmm. And that money would be your objective. And then you break it down into smaller time frames, actually. Mm -hmm. And then you break them down into even smaller time frames and break them down into even smaller time frames. Bite size. So it doesn't become overwhelming, right? Correct. And at the end, you're going to have a, a time frame of a week. What are we going to do this week? Well, I've got an appointment with that guy. I need to make an appointment with that other guy, etc., etc. The only thing is that you shouldn't make your OKRs into a to-do list because that's not what they are. You could have activities, but they are not key results. They are not objectives. Like finish the investor deck. Is that a to-do or that's an activity? Or how would you label it? That's a to-do. That's already a to-do because it's contributing to your success with the investors. 
if you want to finish that, you should do that this week. That's for sure. Because next week, you're going to talk to ex-investors. It all comes down to analyzing what you need and start with the end in mind, actually. Classic Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yes, it's one of the good things in, in that book. Start with the end in mind and then start backward planning. Yeah, I even do the same thing with my personal life. I have a course called Managing Happiness where I help people to figure out their personal mission, vision, core values and their, the goals that they have. You know, so you can kind of like figure out, okay, this is what I want, you know, funeral exercise and then working backwards. Awesome. I'm curious, closing out here, what kind of resources, tools, books, apps can you recommend? There's a lot of them on the market and some research also. A good point to start is the, the GTM Hub OKR Playbook. That's on the website of GTM Hub, which is a tool to manage your OKRs, to follow up on them, to structure them. And I must say it's one of the most accessible tools I've ever seen. There's a lot of others, but this one has got both accessibility and completeness. Either you oversimplify or you, you make it too complicated for people. They have found a good middle ground, good balance. I know the golden rule is that there is no golden rule, but the middle of the road is one of the better. And in that OKR's playbook, you get the basics. I wouldn't say the 101, because most people do know the 101s of OKRs. It's a step further. It goes into your first steps into implementing the pitfalls, what you should avoid and what you should look for. Cool. I'll check it out as well. And maybe even we should probably build like a simple OKR thing into UpCoach as well. Because I guess a lot of culture using it, but yeah, a different topic. Yours, thank you very much for being on. How can people reach you? And is there anything else you want to share with the audience? My website is accessible for everybody. It's going to be a lot in Dutch, but there will be some translating that will be done also, especially in the OPRs field. But if people are having issues, problems, questions, whatever about OPRs, they can always reach me on my email address. I think I've got three seats available on my uh, GTM hub for people who want to start playing with it. So if they send me an email and tell me why they would like to use it, how they would like to use it, I'm going to do some sort of sweepstakes. I'm going to do, okay, I give three seats for free with an onboarding session so that they really get to know OKRs, how to implement them, how to use them. And after that, they can easily do it all by themselves afterwards. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you very much for being on yours. Appreciate it. I'll definitely look into OKRs myself. And yeah, rock and roll. Please reach out to yours if you want to take them up on this offer. And I'll see you on the next show. All right. Thanks, David. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E dot com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.